exegesis. Hello, and welcome to Countdown to Exegesis. My name is Andrew, and in the immortal words of T.S. Eliot, I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. I have seen them riding seaward on the waves, combing the white hair of the waves blown back when the wind blows the water white and black. We have lingered in the chambers of the sea, by seagulls wreathed with seaweed red and brown, till Steely Dan awakes us and we drown. I'm joined as usual by Ollie Piper, and today we're discussing a song that T.S. Eliot described as a load of old rubbish. It's track nine on Pretzel Logic with a gun. Mm. Ollie! Mm. I, uh, I was waiting for a sort of Donald Fagan uh, mermaid fantasy, a sort of, a sort of siren or Fagan mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to uh, appear in that poem. I think, was, he'd make a, I think he'd make a terrible, terrible mermaid. It'd be more of like a mer crab, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he would make a good monster of the deep. Do that, you think that people, you know, that like sailors in the olden times would think was a devil because they just <laughs> see it, they just see a fin emerge above the black waves, well, you know. Not to be not to be mean about um, old fakes, but uh, you have described him as shark-like in the past, mm. and I can imagine a sort of um, you know the weirder sharks. Yeah, <laughs> your hammerheads and your knuckle faces, or whatever you know. Like yeah. I can imagine him as a, a as a sort of an odd shark. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, with a gun, we're talking about today. Oh yeah. Um, Sorry, I was just I was gun. just starting to enjoy myself, and then I remembered we have to talk about with a gun. Uh, yeah, so with a gun um, has almost nothing notable to say about it. Do you want some song facts? Uh, yeah. Well, you can't have any. You got no song facts. You got nothing. There are no song facts. <laughs> I've got a song fact. Have you really? Hmm? Go, go for it. Yeah. Please if do. you bax me ten pounds, I will share my song fact. Well, I do. Uh, I do actually have some song facts, so the listeners won't be completely. Uh, oh, bereft. so what was what was all that about? Well, I, like none of them are worth saying. That's why. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, but that's been true since day one. Like, I've scraped the barrel and I found a, a, a pinprick of marmite at the bottom. Um, mm. So if you want to, if you want me to feed you that marmite, stick out your tongue and it will be forthcoming. <laughs> uh, do you actually have a song fact, or are you just trying to extort money from me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit strapped at the moment. <laughs> no, um, I, uh, I, well, I don't know whether it qualifies as a fact. Basically. Have you noticed uh, that there's no uh, piano on this or organ on this song? That was literally one of my uh, song facts. We've been on the same Reddit thread, yeah, haven't we? It was someone someone <laughs> on the Steely Dan subreddit said there's no keys, yeah. and I was like, yeah. "Oh yes, that's true. That's unusual mm. for a Steely Dan song." Me um, too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was literally one of them. That was li- that's that's how deep in the barrel <laughs> I'm a scraping. So how interesting is that? On a scale of from one to five, I think. Uh, do you know what? This is the most terrible thing. I think that's probably the most interesting thing. That's, wow. that's probably the most interesting fact because if, like me or you, mm-hmm. you you, mm-hmm. you went, oh yes, that's true. Actually, we've heard keyboard on <laughs> nearly everything. Yeah. <laughs> another another fact: Donald Fagan doesn't like it. Does that surprise you? No, of course not. No. no, um, no. He says, "With a gun is not my favourite. We'll see, though." Oh, no, no, okay. The rest of that, the rest of that quote doesn't make sense without context. He just said, "With a gun is not my favourite." Um, right. Uh, covers one cover. Um, mm-hmm. th- them Fargo Brothers, who were a genuine country rock band from the seventies, um, mm-hmm. and it was sampled by Nina Cristante in the song "Romance." I don't want to be too mean about that song because uh, it seems to deal with serious subject matter. Um, mm. But yeah, give it a listen if you like. <clears throat> okay, hit me with your other song facts. That's it. Hang on, sorry, what was the second one? The first one you gave. Yeah, oh, Donald Fagan doesn't like it. Donald Fagan doesn't like it, and then there was like there was a, a non-notable cover, a one no, non-notable cover and one no, non-notable sample. Have you taken my advice and started looking for covers on Spotify? I have, yeah. Okay. That's the only way I found anything. Right, right. Yo, yo, Jay-Z, look out. Hey, Ollie. Hi. 
Do you remember back in uh, series one, all those oh, decades heady ago? days. Yeah. Mm. We were thin, we were beautiful, we were enthusiastic. Everything was sepia and smelt of sweets. Yeah. Um, do you remember we had a, uh, well, we had the temerity to call a segment called What Are You Drinking? Mm-hmm. Are you f- thinking of a revival? No, I'm just. I was just remembering it earlier because I bought a posh beer, mm. and I was just thinking, what the fuck were we thinking? Like, how is that? I, how is that in any way a segment? I'll tell you why. I'll go tell on, you exactly. I'll tell, tell you why. exactly the anxiety, mm-hmm. the little bundle of anxiety that made that segment happen. Mm. Well, we were like, we're going to be drinking something, and it will give us something to talk about. Mm. That was why. That was why. If, even if it wasn't acknowledged between the two of us, that was why. Why? What are you drinking? Existed. Um, but but just for old times' sake, shall we? <laughs> shall we? <laughs> Let's take a little dance down memory lane. You go first. So I um, am drinking a uh, extra white vedette in a cute little bottle. Um, it's what does the extra whiteness? Uh, what does well, that do? Well, I think it's a blonde. Well, no, it's not a blonde. I don't. I don't know because it. I thought it was a blonde. But at the bottom, it says white in, like, seven languages. Mm. Um, First time I've seen you with a blonde in your hands. Sorry, I'm listening. I just got distracted by, on the back of the bottle, it says it says pouring ritual. Oh, for fuck's sake, stop <laughs> drinking that now. <laughs> and and uh, Smash the bottle and gouge out one of your eyes. That is not acceptable. Well, no, but pouring I didn't... ritual, I, fuck off. I didn't follow the ritual, so I'm probably not in, enjoying it to its fullest. It says here I should have poured two-thirds, swirl... And pour the rest. I just poured it all in like an oaf. You see, they call it... You know why they call it a ritual? Because it does fuck all. Oh. <laughs> oh, Ollie. You've managed to take down Vedette and, like, all of human history in one fell remark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, mostly it was aimed at copywriters, I'll be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah, personal bugbear. Uh, we need to wrap up this segment. What are you drinking? Brooklyn Lager. But... Mm-hmm. Not any Brooklyn lager, not just any Brooklyn lager. This is a Brooklyn Amber Lager. Oh. Um, which is the first beer that Brooklyn Lager ever brewed. It's a dry hopped amber lager, and it was born in Brooklyn, New York, and crafted to be as bold as it is, as it is inviting. As bold as it is inviting. And then it like has, a, do- like it a has dominatrix. Three it has three keywords underneath, and it says hoppy, bold, iconic. So that's. That fucks me off, right? Because the first two are like flavour descriptors, right? Hoppy and bold. So what they're trying to do there is trick your brain into thinking, oh, hoppy and bold, those are facts about the flavour that mm. I need to be aware of. And they stick iconic at the end as if it's in the same category. As if it's like like this is this is an inarguable palette-based fact. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, d- I, d- I totally know what you mean. I mean... I think the other problem with it is that if you said to me, what is iconic? What is like an iconic cultural artefact? We're talking Coca-Cola. We're talking, you know, the yellow M. Have you seen the, um, have you seen the video of Rishi, Shun- Rishi Sunak, our possible next Prime Minister, telling a group of kids he's a total Coke addict? <laughs> no, but that sounds funny. Also... But obviously talking about Coca-Cola. Sure, sure. But... Um, there was an amazing quote in, I think, the Financial Times. No, it wasn't the Financial Times, because the Financial Times actually do reporting, right? It was the Telegraph, yeah, yeah. which is like... Oh, yeah. So for our, American, well, for our American listeners, the Telegraph, what they do is they, they, they sort of lie in a like, palatial bedroom all together, all the journalists. They're all just like lounging around on, on poofs and uh, you know, four-post beds and stuff off their faces on champagne, and then they basically wait for the government to send them a press release. <laughs> yes. And then they're like, oh, Toby, oh, the, uh, the PM's been in touch. He says that the economy is booming. And then they just fucking print it. I think the, I think the, the Telegraph makes me more angry than... So, for our American listeners, in the UK, we have... <laughs> We, we, we basically, like, every newspaper is Pravda. Like, every single newspaper, apart from maybe The Guardian, maybe The Independent, they're all just, like, organs of the state, basically. They're just, like, they, they, they totally absorb every single 
like government line, right? The mirror is left leaning. The mirror, yeah. To be. Sorry, the yeah. mirror, yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. Okay, so there's the mirror, the Guardian, and the Independent. Yeah, yeah. But Telegraph, Sun, Mail. What else we got? Times, Express, Express. Um, they are all just like pumping out government lines. Mm-hmm. But the te- but the Telegraph is the worst because the Telegraph is respectable. Like, I don't. I've, I've never read you... the. Ter- I've, I oh come across God. online articles which I think they paywall me out of anyway, which is which is it can only be a blessing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever actually opened the Telegraph. Yeah, is is the Telegraph a genuine broadsheet? And and if not, do genuine broadsheets exist anymore? You mean size wise? Yeah, like does it fold uh... out to like a fucking massive like you could you could genuinely sleep under its size? I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna to, I'm gonna Google this again. This is all not for the edit, but do broadsheets still exist? Because the Guardian uh, shrank, didn't it? All, almost all major papers in the United States are broadsheets, really? says Wikipedia. So this will be odd to the American listeners that we're even talking about this because our our newspapers are like magazine sized, pretty much, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So the only broadsheets left are the, the Telegraph, mm-hmm. the Sunday Times, and the Financial Times mm. are, are the only broadsheets. You left. see, that annoys me that the Telegraph is is that big because you can imagine some cunt in a bowler hat. You know, sitting in like some gentleman's club with the telegraph like spread open in front of him. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. as, though, as though to say, this is the extent of my power. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, the, like the newspaper represents just like the, uh, the scope of right wing power in this country. I don't, well, I, I see it as more of a, of a like wanking shield for, <laughs> for, a little, for a little illicit tug. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, um, Jeremy, could you, could you just wait by the door for five to ten minutes? I've got some business to attend to. Could you just leave the uh, cod liver oil next to me and uh, go, go and sweep the veranda? Yeah, Jonty. There's a good boy, Jonty. Jonty. I think I think I'm low on cigarillos. Would you mind terribly pop, popping to the shop while I uh? Attend to some very, very important business. Jonty. <laughs> Jonty, no, uh, I'm not finished. We started using him uh, for percussion and also for piano and fives. Piano and fives. 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 Piano and fives. Fives. Right, let's talk about with a gun. Ollie, uh, the vibe. The yeah. Vibe. Have you got a vibe? Mm. Mm. I'm drinking a beer, but yes. Um, my vibe is Desperate Dan. No. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Now, this, one, this, this needs explaining on several, well, at least two levels. So, first of all, shall we explain what Desperate, who Desperate Dan was? Yeah. In the aftermath of the Second World War, there was a cultural renaissance in Britain. The Goon Show, mm. the National Health Service, mm. uh, other things, and most importantly, there was a, a comic book called The Beano. So, Desperate Dan wasn't in The Beano. Oh, for fuck's sake! There was a marvelous comic book called The Dandy. That's the one. Yeah, and Desperate Dan was a sort of cowboy figure. Yeah, he was a cowboy. He was a cowboy. Yeah. And he had like a he had like he, he, a check shirt. Yeah. And I remember I remember there was one strip where he was like he was combing his hair with a cactus. Yes, and he would um and he would shave with like a an angle grinder mm. as well. Because he was really tough. Um, yeah. but he and he would eat cow pies, which were like which were always just pie these huge pies, savory pies with like antlers, horns. Sticking out with them. Yes, yes. Like, I, like I the, the implication that, yeah. there was a whole cow inside because he was so tough. What was amazing about Desperate Dan is he was very much a 1940s Scotland idea of what a tough man looks like. So mm-hmm. um, he wasn't he wasn't like hench. Mm. He basically had a really fat belly and a really big chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all relaxed muscle and, and you know, and... Uh, 
yeah, girth. It was all gravity and inertia. That's where all his strength came from. Anyway, that's Desperate Dan. He lived on yeah. for many decades, and he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the so Peter is still with us. Terms, well, glory, glory, old blighty, <laughs> raise a toast to that. Anyway, why I say Desperate Dan, I should say, um, you know, uh, you might pick up a ne- negative implication from that. That's not necessarily intended. But what I mm. would, what I can imagine, is that the Dan, Messrs. Becker and Fagan, were perhaps not so keen about putting this on the album. Okay, of all of their sort of, you know, of all the stuff. What they you're had, saying, what you're saying is well, that this is, a, this is a bad song, and the only reason you put it on an album is because you didn't have other material. No. That's what you're saying. Sort of, but no. Because and also that it's a cartoon version of, of like Western. Well, what uh, it sounds like to me, tropes. This song, yes, is it's almost like a it's almost like a writing exercise, like a genre exercise, isn't it? Yeah. It's like let's let's see if we can write a, a sort of yeah like a cowboy song. Mm. Um, so would you want to put like a genre exercise on an album, whether or not it's catchy and good or whatever? Mm. Probably not. Probably you'd want to. Um, add to the your mystique, your growing mystique as like these these jazz rock um, mm-hmm. art statue people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But so so that's that's why I think it's desperate. Dan, don't read any qualitative judgment. Um, as for you, Suits, what's your uh, <clears throat> my what's your vibe? Vibe, my vibe is a bit like the song in that it doesn't quite work, and it is. Paint your Fagan. Yeah, you'll have to explain that to me. Okay, let me just get the Wikipedia page up. Paint Your Wagon was a 1969 Western musical film starring Lee Marvin, Clint Eastwood and Gene Seberg. Paint Your Wagon, it's a Western. Paint Your Fagan, it's Steely Dan doing a Western song. I, I started maybe doing more of the music. The music. The music, so, so it was a more complex than music after a while. The music. Hey, it's, it's going to be boring if, if, if we don't add some, some rubby, rubby notes. So I've seen this described as country music, cowboy music, mm-hmm. and Beatles-esque Yes, and I think more than one occasion the Beatles Beatles thing has happened. As I've I've read it, uh, one particularly out there claim, in my opinion, claimed that the lyric was a takedown of bands that peddled Beatles knockoffs. That the whole song was about like <laughs> Beatles wannabes, and uh, you know I can't remember any of the talking points, and I, I'm not I'm not going to try to. Yeah, um, that sounds like a bit of a stretch. But it was things like well, it was things like fingers in the till is like, you know, pilfering from the Beatles' legacy and things mm. like that. Total I stretch. thought I thought fingers in the till was a, a British phrase. Um, it sounds very well, like, oh, Mister, you got, <laughs> he's got his fingers in the till. You know, that, it's got that vibe for me. I wouldn't trust him. He's a scoundrel. <laughs> I saw him with his fingers in the till. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Up there with Mrs. O'Briley. You know Johnny the... Fingers. You know Johnny Fingers who drinks at the Coach and Horses. <laughs> I saw him last night. I saw him last night in the Chandlers, and he had his fingers in the till. <laughs> she was squealing like a piggy. <laughs> so we had to call the old Bobby. He come round. He looks. He says, "Oh, Johnny Fingers, you done it again. Come on, time to go to the end." <laughs> Who, okay, go back, go back. Uh, Beatles-esque. Do you think this is Beatles-esque? Yes. I ask you. Okay, good. Mm. Okay, well, I ask I ask you because it, is, it doesn't sound Beatles-esque to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know very much. I don't know a lot about the Beatles, especially I don't know very much about early Beatles, which yeah. my hunch is if this is going to sound like the Beatles, this is going to sound like early Beatles. Yeah. So, on the Reddit thread, which we've both, both looked at, somebody compared it to I've Just Seen a Face. I think that is, I think that person is high. So, I've, yeah, I've seen it compared to Rocky Raccoon as well, but that's, that's a similar kind of going to kill someone story, isn't it? Is that right? 
Yeah, but it doesn't. But it doesn't so have the same feel. It doesn't thing. have the same yeah. rhythmic feel. Musically so, speaking, it's like. Yeah. So here are my um, candidates for Beatles tunes that sound a little bit like in, are in the same uh, wheelhouse as, as this tune. Uh, I'm a loser. Run for your life, and I'll cry instead. Which are all like early Beatles tunes, which I think were written predominantly by Lennon, like Lennon Lennon doing country and western. Tell me your favourite thing musically about this song now. Skunk. Is it skunk though? Yeah. Well, have you confirmed that? Is it skunk playing? I haven't confirmed it, but I I I think that the it just reminds me of all my favourite little skunky nuggets. Well, you know. I, ha- I have I have no um, I have no information on who played on this song. My money was on mm. Denny for this. Really? Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. Because but it's skunk it, on it, Pearl of the Quarter. It's skunk on um, Brooklyn. You know all the country yeah, it's numbers. Skunk he, playing he, a lot of yeah, he, but he's playing pedal steel. Here, the the standout electric guitar is like finger style electric. Yeah, and but, let me remind you of, uh, of of what Linda Hoover said about our man Denny. He's a human metronome. He is a human metronome, and how perfectly syncopated is 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 the uh, fingerstyle electric yeah, but when it, on this yeah, song? But, yeah, but come on. When have you listened to a skunk solo and been like, "Oh, a bit sloppy on the timing"? N- well, no, that's true. But he's much. I feel like he's much more of a feeler player. Hmm. Denny, Denny's right there on the beats and the off beats and the middle beats and the half beats and the quarter beats and the, yeah. Stop. Sorry, stop. You know. Stop talking. <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't. Be- I couldn't bear another phrase that featured the word beat. <laughs> I think this is a skunk well, man. I think we're deep in well, the skunk we're, hole. We're never going to get. We're never going to agree. And we, we, we like. There's no way of backing up our claims. You there? know what we could do? Like, what could we do? Skunk at the moment has a very, very uh, aggressive social media team because uh-huh. he's, he's out on tour and they are posting every day. Like they're really going for it. So we could message the official skunk channels and say, hello, we're big fans. <laughs> um, could you please confirm whether it's it's your client who is playing on... Um, <laughs> your client? <laughs> who's playing on... Um, what's the song called? <laughs> With a Gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ollie, what do you think of the music of this uh, this song? It's a standard kind of country homage slash parody mm-hmm. um, with some expert guitaring mm-hmm. from either Denny or Skunk, probably Denny. And uh, and uh, in standard Dan fashion for this period of Dan, we have a middle third composed of weird bits. So yeah. it's kind of like it's genre exercise in country uh, with... Um, with let's just put in let's just slam in a bit that proves that we know our jazz chords. Yeah, I mean, I would say I think that even the verses uh, are chordally a little more adventurous than a y- your standard cowboy parody. Well, 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 school me because I didn't pick up on it. I, I mean, I, 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 I can't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't take the time okay. to figure the chords out. But I'm just saying it's it's harmonically a bit busier. Than mm-hmm. your Hank Williams three chord songbook, you know. Uh, I see. I didn't pick up on that. Um, they do some. I'm just saying. Like, I don't. I mean, I'm not. Impre- I'm not impressed. <laughs> but I'm just saying. If 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 we're painting it no, as like it's, a, it's, a, a cowboy parody, or a country and western parody, yeah, they, they yeah. are. They're they're like. Well, let's not just let's not get stuck on parody. It might be an homage. Like it's yeah. a, it's a country whatever take. Yeah. But written by jazz guys. Well, wannabe jazz Basically. guys. Yeah. By jazz guys, so um, yeah, I mean that that gets to the that gets to the uh, the bottom of it really. Um, uh, there's two things I'd like to talk about. One of which is the solo at the end. I just want your opinions on that. Am I allowed to listen Did, to it again? Because <laughs> I can't even remember even a solo. At the end. It. Uh, it's all it's all that kind of finger style electric, as we've said on this song. But it it builds and builds just beautifully and subtly throughout the piece, um, mm. and then finally ends in this solo, which is which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a culmination of everything it's been teasing before, mm-hmm. uh, and then it inst- the song instantly ends, like before the solo's even really got going. 
And I, want, I wondered if there's something in that as well. Like if almost as if like Becker and Fagan are saying that's enough. Well, I wondered whether that the part of the Beatles comparison is the brevity. Mm-hmm. How long know. is it? Two, two minutes and seventeen. Okay. Like a lot of Beatles songs between two and three minutes, especially yeah, the early okay. stuff. I don't know. It's it just feels like I don't know. I don't know because because also like. Three with Buzz is a minute and a half. Mm. But I feel like that's a pointed decision. It's kind of like I mean I'm I'm projecting wildly here, but it's like they think it's interesting <laughs> to do a a song with that amount of detail like harmonic information and that amount of arrangement and then it just mm. it's just ninety seconds long. I feel like they think that's a like clever thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um whereas this one it just, yeah, it just feels a bit like, right, that's enough. You know, just like, okay, moving on. Well, well, yeah, okay, so that's kind of what I got from it, but I was wondering if it was a little bit more like, like, we've, like, like acknowledging, I think I said something similar in the, in the Three With Buzz episode, but it's like, by cutting it off so abruptly, it's almost like acknowledging its slightness. It's acknowledging that it's nothing more than a, than a, the genre exercise, a genre parody. Mm. You know, it just kind of, yeah, especially yeah. especially when it's kind of like if a solo is just about to get going, which is like the hoedown moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that. Would, if it was a traditional country song, that's where everyone would start like dancing and dancing and waiting for the repeat of the chorus yeah, yeah. and maybe a key change, you know. And it's like actually they just do like they just allow like four bars of mm. or eight bars of solo and then, and then, they and then just, just go yeah. like that's it. Bolt the barn door. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Okay, what do you think, Ollie, about the jazz bit? You know the what is it? You're hiding the bushes. Is that the lyric? The whole the whole bridge is weird in comparison to the rest of the song. Yeah, but there's like but this yeah, bit but... where it's like you're hiding the bushes, where it's kind of like hiding the, in... the bushes. Yeah, so it's like in Parker's band with a uh, we will spend a day. You know, yeah, like yeah. The well, this is it. Really like, I think we've mentioned this yeah. a few songs on this album. Is where it's like it's like they stick in. They stick in a complicated bit into what is, you know, Parker's band is kind of a a, a, a bit of a. Well, I don't even know what you describe that music as, but it's. I'd just say rock and roll. Mm. I'm sure there's a more accurate descriptor of just what Parker's band dear is. Dear old rock but, and roll. Yeah, but it's kind of like it's kind of like it's almost it's almost there as a badge to prove that they mm. know what they're doing. Beyond that, not that I think that there's it's not a good reason for including it because it really elevates the song. I think in Parker's band's case and in this, the hide in the bushes bit is awesome. As is the spooky like mini solo that follows when everything drops out and it just goes, you know, um, it's all right. (laughs) No, but just I'm not saying I'm not saying like oh my god that's a godly choice that is Deacon (laughs) Blues esque like (laughs) levels of of arrangement Mm. and detail. Yeah, but just that like including little things like that is like just shows effort. It's like this is beyond. Uh, a, a cowboy parody. This is sure. this is something a little more, you know. Can I um, do my usual thing of uh, making up for the fact that I have nothing to say by comparing the song to something else? Oh, please do. Yeah, is it Newman this time, or Dylan, or maybe CSNY, or could it be Credence? I mean, where, where, where are we going with this? It's Grateful somebody. Dead. It's somebody that we haven't mentioned for a while, and yet somebody that you and I both love. Oh, Joni Mitchell? Yes. That uh, you're hiding the bushes bit, it sounds like, you know, on like um, Raised on Robbery mm-hmm. or like some other tunes off Corn Spark. I know, it, I know exactly like, the Joni trope that you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's like suddenly the song explodes into these layered Jonies. It's like choir of Jonies. Yeah. And yeah, because yeah, Joni yeah, Mitchell's yeah. got like one of the greatest voices of all time, it's very satisfying. When you, when you replace that with a choir of Fagans... It starts to feel a bit like Bukake. No, <laughs> okay. So many things wrong with that. I'll, I'll touch on some of them. <laughs> so it, it's a false equivalence to. No, sorry. Okay, to, I was just, I was just winding you up. I don't, I don't care. I, you know, I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, you know, trying and to enjoy. Also, and also, myself. let's remember, like, where you were, or like, but five songs ago, where you were like. I love Fagan's voice now. I'm warming to Fagan. Steely yeah. Dan are constantly surprising me with their left turns and interesting arrangements. And now because you've had a, a, a series of mediocre songs, yeah. which 
let's face it, is what pretzel logic is. Yeah. After after the main, you know. Yeah. The, the drag. Three songs um, at the beginning. Yeah. It's more than that, anyway. But any, but you get you get angry with Dan as if Dan itself has slighted you. No, no. I, yeah, no, yeah. Dan have only got themselves to blame. It's like. We're, I'm listening to imagine right I'm not doing this stupid podcast <laughs> I'm listening to this album in a normal way like a normal human being with a normal life right and normal friends who don't suck them into their podcast projects I'm listening to side two by the time I've got to to with a gun I'm like you're really gonna need to pull it out of the hat at this point like this is shit like this is fucking well maybe they do Suter. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But what I'm saying is you can't blame me for being a little bit restless that we've had now. No, yeah, I get that. This, I is, get this that, is the fourth song in just, a row on this, on this side. How quickly you uh you you know, you go back to your old Dan hating tropes. Yeah. Your old yeah. Dan hating you know, it's it's like being it's like being back on, you know, side one of uh, Countdown to Ecstasy. That's how it feels to me. And I thought mm. we made progress suits. Well, it's time. It's time for San Francisco Show and Tell. Mm. The the most fun part of the podcast. Is it the most fun part of the podcast? It could be the most fun part of the podcast. Where we share something that relates to the song. But not everybody listens to this podcast Uh, for the fun. And by gum, do I have something that relates to the song this week? Okay. So I was listening to With a Gun, and I really fixated Andrew Suter on the lyric, mm-hmm. you will be what you are just the same. Mm. And it it made me think, what would Andrew Suter be right. if he was a, if Andrew Suter was a member of Steely Dan? Right. Would you like Would you like to find out? Hang on. What I'm asking you for clarity yeah. is... Which member of Steely Dan's classic lineup are you? Ah, okay. Is this a, is this like a BuzzFeed quiz, but for losers? Yeah, or or for a you know if you if you want to if you want to look at it in an old fashioned way like a smash hits quiz. Mm-hmm. So you ha- you have five questions, multiple choice questions. Um, so question one: mm. You're about to form the world's greatest jazz rock band, mm-hmm. but you're stuck for a name. What piece of literature? Do you turn for, to for inspiration? I so don't, is I, it? I don't think Weather Report took their name from a from a piece of literature. <clears throat> is it a a nineteen forties buildings roman about growing up in the twenty fifth century? Is it B a nineteen fifties beat novel about jacking up into the interzone? Is it C the ancient Chinese military text The Art of War? Or is it D? Kenneth Graham's The Wind in the Willows. <laughs> You've written this quiz, haven't you? Clearly. Of course I have. Clearly. <laughs> um, D, Kenneth Williams. Kenneth Graham's The Wind in the Willows. <laughs> Kenneth Williams. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, question two. You're laying down a sweet vamp mm. when you hear cut from the control room. They're not happy with your take. Mm-hmm. How do you react? A, you storm off, shoot some squirrels, build a guitar, and try again. <laughs> B, yeah. no, no problem. You think to yourself, they know best. Mm-hmm. Is it C, you jingle your ankly bells and sprinkle the meanies with not be sad, or is it, or is it D, nobody would dare. None of those apply. So number one, well, number one. I don't want to shoot any squirrels, and I do not have the uh, basic motor functions to build my own guitar. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, I hate authority. Mm-hmm. Number three, I am not. Uh, I'm not Faye. <coughs> number f- number four, so. I lack confidence. So not none of those apply to me. What's closest? You've got to choose one. I'm not letting you get away with not choosing uh, one. What's closest? Um, jingling my ankle bracelet, whatever it was. Okay. Question three. Mm. You're smoking a doob in the rec room. Yeah. When your manager walks in, he slaps a brown envelope on the table. You know what this means. Tour dates. Mm. How do you react? A. You cast him a lippy sneer and take a deep toke 
but deep down you're afraid. <laughs> That's old shark mouth, isn't it? B. Oh, great, you say. Another chimp parade for the clapping seals. Becca. C. Mm-hmm. You shout, Hell yeah! Time to mobilise this motherfucker! <laughs> Skunk. Or D. You shed a single tear. You'll finally get a chance to play. Jim Hodder. Um, <laughs> not, don't try to look, don't try to sniff out the Dan member, just go for what means the most to you. Do you remember? Number one, number one. Lippy sneer. Lippy sneer, but deep down I'm afraid. Okay. <laughs> Question four. Yeah, how many are there? Five. Five, okay. Question four. If you weren't a member of the greatest jazz rock band on the planet, what would you be doing instead? I might be in Steely Dan. A, playing cheap gigs behind Chicken Wire. B, writing dropout polemics from a bedsit. C, singing in a country rock band. Mm-hmm. Or D, stroking a pretty pony. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean, is it what would I be doing or what would I like to be doing? What would you be doing if you weren't already a member of Steely Dan? Okay, I would be I would be singing in a country band. Final question. Mm. What would you consider your proudest achievement? Mm-hmm. Is it A, recruiting two of the 20th century's finest songwriters into your band? <laughs> or is it B, joining some two-bit bar band and firing everyone but the guitarist? Well, that's it. That's the choice. That's it. There's only, there's only two. Oh, for this one. weird. Okay. Strangely formatted quiz. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about it. Sorry, what was, what was B? Joining some two-bit bar band, then firing everyone but the guitarist. Yeah, B. B, okay. Mm. We have the results... Okay. Andrew Suter, you mm. are an exact cross <laughs> between Donald Fagan and David Palmer. Okay. Yeah, I can... with a little bit with a little bit of Jim Hodder thrown in. Okay. Just a smidgen. I, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I think, honestly, knowing you, that mm. is pretty much bang on. Really? You are. Yeah. Because. You're part kind of like arty auteur, mm, 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 mm. you know. You're part sort of fey, jingly elf man. I don't think that's true. <laughs> when, yes. have I ever, when have I ever jingled? And and you're a little bit um, uh, sobbing drummer in the corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a tiny, tiny bit. So, tiny yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, I accept that. What pleases me is that I am 0% Walter Becker. Somehow we, we got into writing these like vaguely sadomasochistic uh, lyrics. Um, not that either of us were really involved in anything like that, but it, it, it just it, it seemed like uh, fresh material, you know? Yeah. Hit me with your thoughts about the lyrics. I have no thoughts about the lyrics. So I think if you say, if you tell me something about the lyrics, I will then formulate an opinion. But these lyrics mean nothing to me. Are you serious? These lyrics mean nothing to you. The most concrete fucking story lyrics. Oh, you mean like what is the so- what is the song about? Is that what you're asking? Well, me? I didn't ask that. No, but for you to say these lyrics mean nothing to you mm. is madness. It's laid bare what these lyrics mean. Yeah, so there's nothing to say. It's a story song. It's you a like st- story song. It's a story song. There's some bloke. He he and his partner in America. They uh, set up a clinic. One of them then embezzles money from the clinic. Then the other one threatens him or, you know, uh, starts a fight with him. I think it's implied that the embezzler kills the non-embezzler. There's a criminal in town uh, and he's, he's leaving town. He's reaching out to Fags for help. He's reached out to Fags for help. Fags is like... Fags in this song is a third-party observer. Yeah, just just talking about how his 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 mate fucked up. Yeah, so you don't like these lyrics? I just don't. They're just like um... so. If the Dan are nice and concrete and tell stories like your favourites, uh, like Randy Newman and I don't know, fucking Whispering Bob Harris and 
whoever else you enjoy. Uh, squeeze. They tell stories. You squeeze. Know, that's, yeah, you love squeeze. I don't like squeeze. Um, you love squeeze. So, like, <laughs> you, you don't. So you don't like it when they're concrete about things, and also you don't like it when they're abstract about things. Yeah, the thing is, I don't like their lyrics. I mean, you you have done sometimes. Sure, but you're saying you're saying you you spoke an essay about about the squonks tears and how much that that touched you. No, I didn't. That didn't. You, that, didn't that definitely did not happen. <laughs> you liked Barrytown. I think that I did like Barrytown. Yeah, you ever liked? I liked Barrytown. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay. I'm just, all I'm saying is that you're saying like, oh, you don't like it when they're concrete. You don't like it when they're abstract. It's like, you know, I don't like um, fucking Coldplay. You'd be like, well, you don't like it when they're doing, you know, soppy indie. You don't like it when they're pretending to be Bon Iver. You don't like it when they're, you know, like, they're shit. I just fucking, I don't like Coldplay. You know what I mean? Oh, here we go. I'm not suggesting that Steely Dan are on a par with Coldplay. Don't, don't do this. Don't, don't make a joke about how Coldplay are much better than Steely Dan. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say they were much better, but what, what, what I would say is that what Coldplay and Steely Dan share is... Don't. Don't. What they share is Don't. a desire to. <laughs> to emulate contemporary forms of music. What we're listening to is a a continuation of the music. It's a cowboy western pastiche, yeah. is it not? It is. So we have things like. We have lyrics like. Peace in your hand. Yeah. And we have lyrics like. And leave him lying in the rain. Yeah. Very cowboyish, very western, very spaghetti, right? Mm-hmm. One of the one of my favourite things about this song mm. is that uh, it musically and lyrically leans into these cowboy tropes and then musically and lyrically detaches itself from them in the bridge. Well that sounds very clever. So so, so explain yourself. So Oh, well, we we talked about what the bridge does musically. It, it kind of it goes on its little meandering journey, and it has that hide in the bushes yeah. bit, mm-hmm. jazz chords and harmonies and all that. Um, what the bridge also does is is kind of breaks the fourth wall, or sort of it breaks our wall mm-hmm. of this world they've created. This little room they've created of like this is a cowboy land where we're talking about cowboy things, and then the bridge is going. When you're born to play the fool and you've seen all the Western movies, woe to the one who does you wrong. You'll hide in the bushes, murder the man with Luger in hand. It's kind of how it... I like how it brings up these Western tropes and creates this mise-en-scene and then lampshades that by saying, you've seen all the Western movies. So it's Mm -hmm. actually like, now actually all that's happening is that the character is acting like a cowboy. He's, 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 He's living out cowboy fantasies, acting like a big man, you know. Yeah. That's kind of clever, isn't it? Since... No, it's 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 oh, I, I can't because it's like because it's like so. What it reminds me of is the last tune that we talked about was Pretzel Logic, mm. which is a boring blues. I know we we received some hate mail about uh, our take on Pretzel Logic. Well, it wasn't my take, but yeah, well, it sort of was. It's all yeah, it's anyway. all it was, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna reiterate. I think it's a boring blues that they then attempt to elevate with a little bit of harmonic fuckery. And some nodding allusions to minstrelsy as a get-out clause. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> it's like, I know you could say that this is a boring blues, but we're Steely Dan. Well, what no, I'm saying is, this, no, is, this, this is the same. This is a that. fucking. This is... this is a genre exercise. It's a boring genre exercise. And then they're like, ah, but you, you see, we're aware that it could be seen as a genre exercise. Well, no, but there's a difference here. Oh, there's a difference off. here because because the. Because this is much more clear in it, clearer in its intent and its spearing of itself, right? Like pretzel logic, yes, I can take on board. You don't, you think the lyrics are pseudo intellectual bullshit, right? On top of something boring, that's a bit of it. That's a kind of detachment you have layered on thick. The idea that they're um, they're saving face because yeah. they don't like because they think it's a boring song. That is pure projection. That is pure internal Andrew Suter argument. Okay with oneself that's it's a completely different song to what this song is doing where it's going where it's going ha look look at us doing cowboy music but then surprise we are doing we are spirit we are we are skewering our own yeah character. to rescue a boring song no because no be, yeah be, but that's entirely your opinion 
about pretzel logic, which doesn't apply here, because at least they've set up a clear A and a clear B and a clear C. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. They. I think that my interpretation of pretzel logic, the song, holds even if you like pretzel logic, the song. Because you could be like, this is a blues tune, so in some way they are aware that they are aping the blues form, and they are signalling to the audience that they're aware that they're doing that. What I'm saying is, whether you like the songs or not, they're constantly like tipping a wink to say, we're above this. I don't think God forfend we should just write... God forfend that we should do Rocky Raccoon. So Rocky Raccoon is a silly song about a cowboy checking into a hotel and whatever. But it's just a sincere bit of knockabout silliness, you know? Oh my God, if, if, fucking, if fucking Steely Dan had done a silly song about a raccoon, but... But John Lennon had skewered his skewered himself in his in his own Western parody. You would have been you would have been arguing exactly the opposite. You would have been going, "Well, this is a silly song about Rathoon, but John Lennon, let me tell you, wrote a song." Well, this you is... think it's all you think it's all you think you're in the life of a Western. You think you're there. You think you're there on the frontier. <laughs> mm. Bar uh, saloons and sheriffs and all the rest of it. And mm-hmm. s- this is getting sli- this is right. getting slightly personal. I'm just gonna... uh, uh, but but then he skewers it, and suddenly you're in the present, and this and this Western man who you thought was a cowboy all along just turns out to be some jumped up fool who's watched a lot of movies. It's so clever, and this steely dance song they're talking about a bloody raccoon, some dumpster trash. You know? Two things. 100%. Two things. Number one, Rocky Raccoon was written by Paul McCartney, not by John Lennon. Number two, I think you should apologise. That was, you were impersonating me to my face. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that is outrageous. I was doing a haughty suitor. A haughty haughty version of suitor. I think that's I think that's a weak line of argument to say. Well, if like if the thing we are talking about that's, was this has been your argument the whole time about about pretzel logic, which is basically like I believe this is a this is a bluesy dirge of no value. So therefore, yeah, don't, the don't, do the impre- this, don't do the impression again. <laughs> so I can't help it. It's just <laughs> it's just where my mouth goes when I'm doing you. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible, horrible sentence. <laughs> okay, look, okay, let's leave this dog to die. There yeah. is a Okay, there is we're a getting line nowhere, here. We're getting nowhere. I, there's a line that I like. Can mm-hmm. I talk about the line that I like? Well Can okay, I t- can so- I just to rescue myself from this accusation of haughtiness and and whatever, can I say a line that I like? You go you go first, yeah. You were the founders of the clinic in the hill. Until he caught you with your fingers in the till. That is exactly the line I like. Yeah, isn't it nice to? And do you know what? To I've share something. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we've been agreeing too much this series, so you know it's nice to have a bit of disagreement. But yeah, yeah. I, I. Do you know what I've headed this line in my notes? No. Just well, I'll tell you anyway. Classic Dan intrigue. Oh God! <laughs> Kill me. Just shoot a harpoon in my face. This is. That is a little bit, a little smidgen, a little pepper of classic Dan world building. That is just, just mystery. What? Just <laughs> listeners. Andrew's lit, ha, has his head in his hands. Right now. It's quite, it's quite brilliant. <laughs> just, it's like that's all it takes to be classic Dan world building. It's like you write a completely colourless and mediocre lyric, and then you do one tiny. Like, there's a little flash of, like, creativity or detail, and you're like, that is classic, classic Dan world building. That's more... No, okay. Okay, so you're, what you're doing there is, is mishearing my use of the word classic. So what I mean is, what I should say is maybe, like, par for the course world building. Classic in the sense of... Right, typical. Typical, yes. Mm-hmm. Done. What, we, what we've come to expect. Yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, and do I think it like makes a lyric? No, but it stood out as kind of like, oh, there's a thing that's never that's never explained, but is left to fester in the, yeah. in the listener's mind. Well, also, it's it's the only bit that doesn't seem to belong to the genre. That's why I like it. Well, apart from the thing about how he's sitting at home watching western movies and then goes and shoots everyone. 
Sure, but the okay, but the 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 bulk of the narrative, yeah, is like no, yeah, is, is a you know. Could That's be. why I like it because it comes out of the blue of this yeah. of what is otherwise like a like a, like we say a genre exercise, you know. Sure, um, it's nice, and that doesn't and that doesn't so blatantly like the bridge kind of step aside and go. But we're being weird and self-referential. And... Oh, so now you're agreeing with me? No, but <laughs> no, but after it, you know, pillorying it's... me as some fucking oh, some like oh, Kenneth Clark no, I'm figure, with you. I'm not agreeing with you. Um, uh, good lyric, nice lyric, nice simple lyric, nice story with a little bit of uh, lemon lemony pizzazz. Uh, I think we could both agree with that. Well done, Dan. Excellent job. Um, thumbs up for me and suits. His ham-fisted exegesis in last month's Vanity Fair made me cringe. Okay, we have a friend. Well, he's not really our friend, but we <laughs> like him. Yeah. And he's called Brian, and he writes stories for us. We want to be friends with him. We want to be friends with him. Yeah. Uh, and he's been writing us a story called Two Against the Natural Grass of a High School Football Field. Mm-hmm. Which incorporates lyrics of songs from Pretzel Logic. Andrew, can you take us through briefly where we are now in the story? So, the our protagonist uh, is making a proposal to Katie Lee on the playing field uh, in a madcap way. He's using a fertilizer spreader and Fruit Loops, and his friend Charlie is there with Vic, our protagonist, mm-hmm. on the playing field, and uh, Charlie is trying to dissuade. Vic from going ahead with this um, scheme. Vic is like, I want to do this. She brings out Katie Lee. She brings out the best in me. I'm a better man when Katie Lee's around. Charlie is like, you're way wrong. And also, there's something you need to know about me. And <gasps> huge moment in the in the saga was that it was revealed that Charlie banged Katie Lee. Oh my God! Can it be true? Yeah. What a soap opera. They got into a scuffle and uh, Vic pounded violently Charlie. And yet... So and yet... In a, in a fight. In a fight. In a fight. Yeah. And yet at the end of the... <laughs> and yet at the end of the session, it was, it was Vic who looked defeated. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So have a listen. Okay. Two against the natural grass of a high school football field. Part 7. With a gun. Quietly, voice shaking, Victor says, I could be wrong, but I have seen your face before. On Katie's Instagram. You took her to a bar, right? He was right. I hadn't been as careful as I could have been. I could sell him some bullshit about how I really was careless because I secretly want him to know... But the truth is, I was careless because I didn't really respect him. I just thought of him as a dumbass who was handed most things in life. But seeing his face crumple like that shows me how shitty of a human being I'd been. And I'm devastated. God fucking damn. I'm sorry, I rasp, as he continues to crush my torso with his massive form. He nods and gets up. He walks slowly back to his car leaving the Fruit Loops and the fertilizer spreader. I run after him, watching him uncork a new bottle of vodka and climb into the driver's seat. As his brake lights illuminate the field and he drives away, it does, in fact, start to rain. Let me just confess something. I had a little Mm. shiver during that installment. You say this every time. Oh, do I? Okay. (laughs) You're you're like, can I just say, I gasped, can I just say... (laughs) The hairs on the back of on the back of my neck. To the, could I just say I did a little wee <laughs> every time? What specifically gave you a gave you a judder? It was um, that Charlie realizes that he he's been careless, that he didn't try sufficiently mm-hmm. hard to conceal his relationship with Katie Lee from Vic, and then he and the reason, the reason is he doesn't why. respect him. It's, it's great. It just it? feels so like it, it, I feel like it's really conjuring up. Like adolescence, 
for me. It just it's making yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. transporting me back to that time of like fragile egos and uh, high emotions. And yeah, or for, or for me, any time before I was about thirty two. Oh, sure, same. Yeah, yeah. I was saying adolescent <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to to sound mature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. Yeah, no. I would say um, from you know twelve to thirty. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, if not a little longer. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But we're both great blokes now. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Another great story from the Ross. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Get... I really liked the brake lights illuminating the field. I feel like that's the touch that Roston provides, as in a lesser writer such as you or I mm-hmm. would be like he turned the brake lights on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's like the brake lights illuminated the field. His car sped off with a, you know, yeah, with 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 the clatter of gravel, yeah, in my ears. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah. No, no, just just a simple world element, totally filmic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, to- yeah. Totally visualable. Lovely stuff. Well, I can't wait to see what happens in the next instalment, Charlie Freak. Slam or scam. Do you like this song? No. <laughs> Do you like this song? Yes. Okay. Um, it's a. It, this is a Royal Slam. I really, I really like with a gun. Yes, it's slight. Yes, it's a genre exercise. Yes, it's not. It, it, it is not high art in any form. But as a little tune, and you know, of all the kind of little slight tunes on side two of Pretzel Logic. It's one of my favourites. Are you doing this? Is this a new thing that you're doing where you spend the whole episode sort of like with your cards to your chest so that I think we're on the same page and then we get to the the verdict segment and you're like, it's a Royal Slam? No, because look, maybe I did that a bit with Pretzel Logic. Mm, You did, yeah. but, But because the grounds of me liking Pretzel Logic are so weird. But with Monkey... But not Monkey... Sorry, Monkey Nessel. With 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 a gun, mm. um, I, all I've done is acknowledge its slightness, and I acknowledge its slightness. Mm. It, it is a it is a bit it is a bit of fluff. It is a you know it's 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 a seed on the breeze. Mm. However, it is enjoyable, and I I just I can't dislike this song. It's it's a lovely bit of country fluff. It's nice. Okay, well, I don't know whether it's going to make it into the final edit because it got quite heated. But you basically said to me, like, you are a piece of shit. If this was by the Beatles, you would love this, you worm. Yeah, more or less. And the thing is that that is entirely true. (laughs) It's just true. It's just true that, like, I, you know, this is a nice, it's, it's a perfectly nice song. However, the things that are holding it back for me are, one, I don't like Steely Dan. And number two... If you if you're listening to the White Album and there's some weird little offcut that isn't doesn't isn't, you know doesn't isn't that great, but you still enjoy it, it's usually because either Paul McCartney or John Lennon is singing it, and they are just mm-hmm. if you like the Beatles, they are likable singers. Like, I'm learning to appreciate Fagan, I think, but like it's just not nice enough to lift a, well, a boring song. Well, you know, I think therein lies the difference between you and I mm. isn't it because because I I I do enjoy the basic sound of Steely Dan yeah. and Fagan's voice and for me this is this is a nice bit of Dan Fluff yeah uh, in a way that other bits of Dan Fluff aren't mm-hmm. so yeah I, you know I think I think we you know we understand each other we do but yes say the words uh, this to me is a royal scam because it gave me no enjoyment no enjoyment whatsoever from Withergun. Uh, I liked the bit about the, f- the the clinic on the hill, and my ears pricked up at the uh, hiding in the bushes bit. Uh, I'm saying this in all sincerity, Ollie. I know I've been a bit salty this evening, but I, mm. I genuinely want them to pull it out of the bag on either Charlie Freak or do the monkey dance. Like I just, I, so- I'm so ready. To, to like another CD Dan song because it's been a rough it's been a rough road I get that yeah. I get that
Join us next week, listeners, for our Christmas special, where we look at the song Charlie Freak, Steely Dan's Christmas song. Will the spirit of Dickensian Christmas warm Andrew Suter's heart? That that we are yet to find out. Probably. In the meantime, uh, please share, subscribe, give us reviews. There's there's some bit of lore about me getting a tattoo if we get enough reviews. I've oh, kind yeah, of half, about half stopped yeah, talking about, about that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, do that. Um, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, yeah. It, you, your, your ears keep us going. <laughs>